listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast, the final one for 2017, uh, for the week 11th of December to the 15th of December. This week we kicked off by talking about all the times when, as children, we tried to help people in our lives and really stuffed up. Yeah. Uh, So... (laughs) Had a bit of a chat about uh, Christmas, like uh, making a Christmas list, whether it's something you do and what you do on the day. And we talked to Richard Cook about his essay in the monthly Once Upon a Time in the West. Very interesting. And we talked to controversial commentator Sean Birdman Dooley (laughs) about his Bird of the Year poll. The magpie one. Yes. It was quite oh, an upset. Spoiler, mate. No. <laughs> nah. And uh, we will see you next year. We'll be back at the end of January. So have a lovely holidays. Bye. Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone. You are listening to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Uh, remember when you were a kid... Um, Jeff, you might have to go back a fair ah. one. No. <laughs> so, but um, when you're a kid, the, the, the times that you might have, you know, stuffed up because uh, for or for whatever reason. But it's always when you didn't know, realize what you were doing was bad. Yeah. Like often it was, um, you know, you find out that. The worst thing you could possibly have ever done is, you know, when you didn't realise that what you were doing was wrong. Um, For example, for me, it was um, my dad uh, was an interstate truck driver and during the school holidays I would quite... My brother and I would take turns in going for rides in the truck, like usually to like Melbourne or Sydney and stuff like that, from Albury. Um... And then uh, one day, Dad had to, just before we'd gotten back to Albury, just before he was taking me home, we had to stop at the um, service station and fill up. So this is a semi-trailer filling that up with um, with diesel. Mm, Jesus. And uh, so Dad just kind of, you know, he kind of clips it and he leaves it and goes, because it takes a long time to fill it up. And I was just hanging out watching and then... I decided I wanted to have a bit of a look inside where <laughs> the diesel was going. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so what did you do? Well, I picked up the hose. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I was so... I, just I can't even tell you why. I just... How old do you reckon you were? I was, like, six. Okay, so that's... You're curious about everything at six. I can yeah. understand why you'd want to have a yeah. look at... So you, want, you were trying to look into the tank in the... In yeah, I just want to see where, where, where I was just, going. So you pulled the hose out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was high flow diesel. So I. Oh, my God. I pulled it out and it was like a f- fire hose. Like, just. Oh. <laughs> what did you do? Did you freak out? What did you do? Oh, man, I got into so much trouble. Like, I was drenched. Oh, my God. <laughs> I. I, I <laughs> How did everyone else respond? Oh, Dad was like bolted over. He goes, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing that for?" Like it was, I don't know. That must have, um, I don't know how much was wasted. Like how much that would have cost, and because oh. I just thought, my yeah, that's right. In my head, I thought I'm just going to lift it out a little bit, have a look, and then I'll just put, put it back, it back in. in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. 
That's all I oh. wanted to do. And then it was just, and oh. then just like diesel everywhere. I was drenched in it and I had to, um, yeah. I'm oh, lucky you didn't say, I'll just strike a match so I can oh, have, no. have, a, have a better look inside. Far right. out. What did you, I can't even imagine what you'd do if your child was drenched in diesel. What do you do? Where'd you even go? Well, Dad... We took. I had to take. I was. I had on uh, my favourite tracksuit, which is Aww. a Terry Tailing tracksuit with the ice cream embroidered on the front, and um, <laughs> I just <laughs> took that off, and that was put. Was in it a, ruined? No, nah, it came out in the wash. All good. <laughs> it's done for a few weeks. No, nah, it was fine. Um, and then, like Dad would park. Uh, we just gotten. You know, drove me home. It was not far away, but we'd park um, across the road. Uh, so I just had to. Run across the road in my in my undies, holding oh, my drenched oh. <laughs> terry towelling, <laughs> diesel soaked. Don't you reckon that when you're a kid too, you always think that? Well, you think that these things are much worse than they are. Yeah, Maybe you know your, I mean? your your yeah your perspective like, of you of know things. you've done something wrong, and yeah. it just seems like you've done the worst. Thing. Like your dad probably got over it pretty quick, but you know in your memory, it's like you've done this terrible. Terrible. Like you've ruined them. Well, that is the biggest, the worst thing that's happened in your life to that point when something big and bad is happening. I feel like I did that constantly, but trying to help mum. Like yeah. every time I tried to help mum, sister above me was really practical and helpful. And so she could like but run the barbecue when she was seven years old. You know wow. what I mean? I was just oh, never a practical geez. kid. And I, can't do that. No, no, that's what I mean. Like just very able. So mum could go, go and start the barbecue to my sister and I was never able to do things. So I used to always try and help, but it was always... My memory is just of doing things for mum and then making her life a thousand times harder. Like yeah. getting, I remember one day I was surprised there by washing the windows of the car. Ooh. But I went and got all these rags out of the shoe polish oh. box <laughs> and then and then got a bucket of water and rubbed all the windows. It's shoe polish. It's shoe polish. So that was that was just caked and mud. Oh. And you know when you're doing something, you're going, this doesn't look how it should look, but I'm going to keep I'll going just anyway. Keep going. Just, go, just push through. Oh, my oh, God. No. And mum just having five kids and walking out and being like, Sarah, like, not being able to try and be, thanks oh. for trying to help me. And me just realising, oh, my God, I've just made her day so much harder than it had to be. And when they say something like, oh, you did your best. Yeah, <laughs> Which lets you know that really they think you're something of an idiot. Well, I think she thought I was a bit special. She's going to be, why would you go and get the shoe polish to what, you know, just her face trying to work out what in my brain was the, and why didn't I stop when it was smudging all over oh, the windows? I How many windows did you get like through? all of them. Like, you <laughs> finish the job. I don't know why. I, just, I think I thought in my head at a dry or at a, you know. Uh, right, you're yeah, doing yeah, a thorough yeah, job. Yeah. Oh. I remember when I was about... Um, an idiot. When I was about 10 being invited to um, go away with a friend and his friend, friend's family that I'd only just started to know. I just moved to this new school on this holiday. And the idea was we want to go there, we have a good time, but we also do some jobs around the place and sure. earn some money. So when we got there, the job was he had this sprinkler system that mm. he installed underneath the house, but it wasn't working and we had to, had to dig it up. Right, oh, that's okay. a very big job. How oh, old were you? No, we were about like ten or okay. eleven. That's an extraordinarily big job for a ten-year-old. Well, yes, and it was, but it wasn't very far underneath the surface. And so the idea was, we were given these like these pick things, and mm-hmm. we were supposed to just scrape yeah. the soil away. But sometimes the soil was a bit hard, and so rather than scraping it, I remember I started to hit it yeah. with the pickaxe to sort of 
do you get off? And then, so I'd started doing this for um, about 10 minutes, and some of these guys are of water oh. just come squirting up everywhere. And it was just that sort of moment, a bit like what you were saying with your dad. You just realized, I've really fucked this. <laughs> <laughs> And the worst thing is that you're at a friend's house. Yeah, I know. You know, oh. like, no. and, and then it was exactly that, that. I remember the dad running over being absolutely furious. <gasps> I could see him then controlling himself and just, okay, they're just children. They're just children. <laughs> yeah. But then I had to go down for breakfast the next oh. day. And just thinking, this guy thinks I'm a complete idiot. Oh. Yeah. Did, it, did he ever fix the thing? Do you well, ever I know? don't know. Like, but it's one of those moments you, I still wake up sometimes in the night, you know. It's just <laughs> yes. that cold sweat. Yeah. Because it's someone else's, it's not your parent, yeah. you know. Yeah. And when, Remember when you get told off by a friend's parent? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's not, yeah, it gives me chills now. <laughs> <just thinking. laughs> Three, triple R. Tune to Triple R. This show is called Breakfasters with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. One of the features in the latest edition of the monthly, the holiday edition of the monthly, no less, is a piece entitled Once Upon a Time in the West. It's written by Richard Cook, a writer, broadcaster, and the monthly's contributing editor. He's joining us in the studio now. Welcome to Breakfasters. Thanks very much, Jeff. You begin by describing in this essay a frankly apocalyptic view that you say that almost every member of the conservative commentariat in Australia subscribes to. What is this view? Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of an idea that uh, Western society is moving away from the good old days, that there was a period of time where freedom of speech was uh, all over the place, um, when society felt a lot more cohesive uh, the family was uh, kind of at the centre of things and people felt much more free. And really that, that version of things has always been more compromised than that. I heard Milo Yiannopoulos put a version of this decline of Western civilization narrative at his event the other day and it struck me how very, very strange it was. Here is this openly gay, hedonistic guy who, say, for someone like Robert Menzies, would have exemplified the decline of Western civilization. But here he is putting forward this 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 narrative. It's kind of a strange perspective. Yeah, and it, and it really shows just how much currency hating Muslims has in these circles. You can be a uh, part Jewish uh, gay man married to a black man, and as long as you sort of rail against Muslims in Europe hard enough, uh, you'll be welcomed into the bosom. Is this idea of a decline of Western civilization a new one or has it come up throughout history? Uh, it's really come up throughout history. You know, uh, by some indications, it's thousands of years old. You know, right. society was barely kicking off when it was declining. Um, but probably <laughs> this is uh, part of a tradition which really starts at the beginning of the 20th century and the, and the end of the 19th century um, when it sort of felt like modernity was making the wheels fall off, I guess. Back then, though, this uh, declinist narrative was largely couched in explicitly racial terms, that there was this racial degeneration going on. Now, no one really uses that language. Instead, they talk about culture. Is that a real distinction? I mean, I was thinking the other day, there's an old film clip of Pauline Hanson going around where she is talking, the first incarnation of Pauline Hanson, where she's talking about how, oh, I'm not a racist, I'm just concerned about Asian culture. And then they talk to her mother, who tells her that, yes, I brought my girls up to be hostile to the yellow race. And it just struck me that actually, 
it's just the same tropes couched in a slightly different language. Yeah, and look, there are plenty of people who aren't shy about making it racialized, uh, and that, that fig leaf does tend to fall off pretty quickly. But you can sort of have people who are trying to make artificial barriers, I guess, you know, where they'll talk about things like Judeo-Christian culture while still um, breaking bread with people who are pretty much open anti-Semites. So it turns into a bit of a muddle. It's hard to tell what the actual kind of gravity holding it all, all together is. And what's behind this resurgence of this view? I mean, when it's when you hear it put forward in some places like The Spectator or Quadrant, it is kind of couched like there's a civilizational crisis taking place. Uh, I think in some ways there is a civilizational crisis taking place. It's just an argument about what the causes of it are. And many of the things that they, I guess, kind of identify as part of it, many other people see as improvements. Like, there's no doubt that uh, in foreign policy terms, for example, America feels much weaker than it did even five or ten years ago. But that's because, you know, it's failed in Iraq and Afghanistan, not because... Humanities graduates, uh, as I said in the article, writing woke reviews of Wonder Woman. There are usually <laughs> other kind of root causes here which are much more identifiable. What's the solution that's suggested by the alt-right? Well, they have a variety. Um, and one of the things which is interesting about it is that beyond the anger, it's hard to tell what they actually want. Yeah. I mean, there are people who are quite open about the fact that they want sort of an, you know, an ethno-state um, but even that can sort of bring out these contradictions, you know, on the right side of politics where you'll have people suddenly very enthusiastic about stuff like socialised medicine, things which has, you know, usually been anathema to the right um, are suddenly embraced as long as it means socialised medicine for white people. Um, but beyond that, it, it's often just about kind of assertion of, of confidence and being able to say that you're proud of your culture without being made ashamed of it, but the shame is often just kind of an assessment of where things have gone wrong, often ways to try and improve and include people. And some people, often when they have a precarious sense of identity themselves, uh, seem to find this process really, really anxiety-making. One of the people who's very big on this narrative is Tony Abbott, of course. And Abbott uh, was someone who at one stage trained to be a uh, Jesuit priest. you make a point that... I feel it's not discussed nearly enough the parallels between the historical discrimination against Catholics in Australia and the more recent prejudice against Muslims. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I guess one of the things I, I wanted to talk about in this piece is that there's always been a pecking order. Um, and sometimes the people who are most enthusiastic about kind of going after people towards the bottom uh, used to be close to the bottom or at the bottom themselves. Uh, this is something you see in the United States a lot where... There are whole racial groups, you know, like Poles and Irish Catholics, Jews even, who didn't really used to be considered white and they've kind of gotten the call up, they've gotten the club membership uh, and uh, and often they will be, you know, very vociferous in kind of protecting that status, I guess. Uh, one of the questions that runs through this piece is should we and can we make judgments about the relative worth of cultures? What do you think about that? Because it seems to me like quite a thorny question. Is it legitimate to say that some cultures are in some ways better or more advanced than others? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a difficult question to answer um, in a simple way. And, it, and it's something that a lot of philosophers and others have 
have talked about in detail. Um, I guess it's about what it means when you make these judgments. So we can probably say, for example, that human sacrifice is wrong and societies that used to practice human sacrifice and have stopped have made a kind of improvement. But when you're using that human sacrifice as an excuse to kill and dispossess members of that society, then it's probably time to have a think about what that judgment actually means. The essay is entitled Once Upon a Time in the West. It appears in the latest edition of The Monthly, written by our guest, Richard Cook. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure. Three. Triple. Uh, you are listening to Breakfasters uh, with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Uh, it's our last shows of the week, last week of shows, last what? Last Tuesday <laughs> of ever yeah. until next year. <laughs> anyway, the point is Christmas is, is coming up. I've um, been asked to provide a Christmas list oh. of things that I want for Christmas. Who's that being provided to? Uh, Kath and her family, like oh. her parents. And Do you her. all buy you shot the presents? Yep. Yeah, by, right. And they've all done their Christmas list and mm. it's been sent around. It's very – they're used to it. Yeah, right. Oh, right. It's a bit official. It's official, is it? Yeah. yeah. And how specific do you have to be on these Christmas lists? Do you say, like, exactly what you want or do you just say, like, a general area? I think it's um, each to their own. Um, sure. Uh, how do you know you're not going to buy something on a list that someone else is getting They, they pass it around and say, I'm going to get mm. – this so you know for example Kath's um, dad he I think he's the most serious about this Christmas right. list so because he starts his email with hi all I have made a Christmas list on the off chance you will take a bit of notice of it this year <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it sounds like there's been some disappointing Christmases yeah. past for Kath's dad. <laughs> I think he likes presents more than any adult that I've ever come across yeah. in my life. Um, I do and his presents. his list is very specific, you know. So it'll have like a a Dremel three thousand two slash thirty rotary toolkit from Bunnings. Wow, that's very and the specific. Price. Wow, wow. Yeah. Here's, here's a link to where you can find. This isn't yeah. so much a Christmas list as it is uh, a registry. For marriage, you know, yes. when you're getting married and yes. you have the registry and you have to go in and tick one off. It's very much like that. I, I also, but there's things on there and I'm like, do you really want for that for Christmas? Just go and get it. Like, yeah. like for example, a helmet visor spray cleaner. That's, that's, yeah. that, that is, it's like asking for Windex, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now I need some Windex, some chucks. <laughs> just list your grocery shopping. Yeah. Kill or, or bananas. Or this one, a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> a, a scarf suitable for wearing around my neck when on the bike. Oh, like when on the motorbike. Interpret that one. Yeah. Is it, he wants like one that will go in the breeze like James Dean, yeah. or maybe the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. Not get tangled in things like Jane Mansfield. Yeah. Oh, oh, what? <laughs> too soon. Same. <laughs> I've I been two minds about this. Um, Steph's family has a similar listing mm. um, thing, and they do it for, for birthdays as well. I can see how it's a very useful, particularly if you've got a big family, you know what I mean? Like you can just look at all the yeah. things you yeah. say, I get that and that. But I don't know, I kind of feel that it can be a little bit hmm, kind of official, can't it? Or yeah. a little, yeah, it takes a bit of the surprise out of Christmas. I kind yeah. of feel like part of, if you're into gift giving and stuff, part of it is supposed to be, isn't it, like... It's sort of like you showing you showing that you know something about the yeah. other person. You've got yeah. some sense of what they might like or mm. what they... Right. Whereas if you're just ticking off... I'm the same. I, I like a surprise. 
Um, we've got a family WhatsApp at the moment, me and my siblings, because we're a bit spread out. My sister's in Sydney and she asked, my sister is in Sydney, asked what we wanted for Christmas recently. And so I provided, a, I thought I'd provide a general list of things, not like specific items, but yeah. just I here's the vibe. Yeah. Um, I, Something I said, for the kitchen. Well, more, I also said like things like Bunnings voucher because I know that she's got kids mm. and it's she's got nice time on her hands. So maybe if she happens to walk past and see a Bunnings voucher, that's fine, whatever she wants. I also said, but I listed quite a number of things, mm. Bunnings voucher, bed, bath and table voucher, uh, vinyl records voucher. I just like, listed a whole bunch of stuff, but not because I want all of these or even specifically I want them. It was just to make life easier for yes. her. Yeah. But then I replied with that, this massive list. And then my other sister replied and said, I just want us to all be together. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And so then Mother's just replies and goes, Yeah, now Sarah looks a bit materialistic. Long. That's great. I'm such an asshole. I was like, Thanks, guys. Yeah, you can have all your stuff. Sarah. I just want a happy time. Yeah, There's 25 wanna... things I've asked for. I just wanted to all be together. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and no one else has replied. So now I really am the family asshole. Anyway. Oh. Oh. Do you know, once I got. Um, uh, Corn for for Christmas. A I feel corn, like you have told me this before, but yeah, I can't corn, remember. Corn on the cob. I got it for Christmas. Had you one. asked for corn on the cob? No, mate. It was just like, like, it was wrapped up in everything, like a, a, just a corn on the cob in the you know. That in is husk. baffling. Yeah, who gave it to you? My sister, Why? my older sister. Uh, wrapped up in everything. Like as I started to unwrap it, I thought it was some kind of doll in like a grass skirt. Oh yes. yeah, and Definitely. I was like, oh, this is fun. And then went Hawaii Barbie. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I went, why, why have I got corn? And my sister thought it was so funny. And then she went, you know, because we were at the fruit and veg store the other night, and you know, you said you really love corn. And I went, <laughs> what? Yeah. Did you say you love corn? Here's some corn. Yeah. Did you get anything else? No, <laughs> I was very young. I think so it was sad. Oh, no, I got other presents from, you know, <laughs> other, you know, from Santa and stuff. Santa came through with the goods. I think I got a trampoline that year, so that was no problem. But oh, I, I feel like there was years of different ages too with siblings where their commitment to buying each other presents waned. Like I remember a Christmas where my brother had clearly at the last minute forgotten about Christmas and had gone to the $2 shop and we got given like an empty spray, you know, how you like a spray and white bottle, you know, by the like a two. Yeah. And he goes, it's for summer. So you can fill it with water and spray yourself oh, in the no. face. <laughs> and oh, come on. Seven-year-old me was like, cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you're going to do that, you, you can't pretend. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't try and say, "Oh, this is a great gift for summer." Yeah, you just got to say. Good effort, though. Yeah, well, it came up with a good. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I feel story. like it's good to have someone like Castad who gets really excited about it, though. Oh man, you know it's what not I mean? just like, Castad. Ma- the whole family is. Both her parents are love love it. Like the whole the Christmas Day, it's all about. And, you know, you don't open all your presents at once. Like, Kath's mum is very big on um, completing a challenge before you get your next present. What? A oh. challenge? Yeah. So like a puzzle? Or? Stressful. Yep. <laughs> so sometimes it'll, it'll be everyone will get those little packet of those nano blocks, you know, it's the, the miniature Lego things. So you have to put one of those together. Oh, it's very wow. stressful. Jeez, I feel like... Feels <laughs> in the day. <laughs> I, like I might not be able to do it. I never get the present. Yeah. <laughs> Fail a challenge and yeah. <laughs> no presents for you. And then or she'll hide the presents in the backyard and make us play hot and cold. Oh, I don't know if I can deal with this situation <laughs> at all. <laughs> Mate, I... 
I bloody love it. I can't get enough of it. It's so good. Bang up for it. Three, triple, ah. That's right, it's the last feature creatures of the year. And who better to do it with than Sean Birdman Dooley? How are you going, Sean? I am very well. Big week for you. Big, big week, yes. Huge. It's been, yeah, it's been interesting. The, uh, thankfully, my, I think I've worked out, this is my ninth year of, of Birdman on Triple R. So that's Your put ninth me. ninth year? Yeah, put wow. me in good stead for, for the media onslaught we've had this week. Um, <laughs> So yes. Bird of the Year, is bird this the first the time Bird of the Year has happened? It is, it is. We we did a Bird of the Year vote back uh, in 2013 through uh, Australian BirdLife magazine, BirdLife Australia, and that sort of, we, we were really satisfied. We got 15,000 people voting uh, about four years ago, uh, but that was clearly just among the bird nerd fraternity. But this one with the Guardian Australia getting on, on board... Uh, we sort of collaborated with them on it, and who, it so, just who did off. the bird nerds vote as their favourite bird? Well, interestingly, the they the first two were the superb fairy wren, the blue wren, and the magpie was number two. Oh. Ah. So this year we uh, it went out, and there was one hundred and fifty thousand people voted for bird of the year what? in Australia, which was just kind of crazy. We had our um, uh, th- there was the uh, th- there was a Autobot scandal. The uh, oh. we don't know whether it was the Russians, but there was <laughs> somebody, the, a member of the powerful powerful owl faction. Um, <laughs> on the first day, somebody worked out how to how to scam the system, or wow. and uh, started voting, and powerful owl went up from about. Fifteenth to second overall. How does what what who needs the powerful owl to win? Uh, what is that all about? Uh, the powerful owls have their talons in all sorts <laughs> yeah, of things in this right. society. I think I think they were having lunch at the lobster cave with, with uh, <laughs> liberal leaders. Lobster with a mobster. <laughs> were you surprised by I mean, the response? I mean, this went insane on social media, and the the, the, act, the arguments were so intense. It is, and what's been really full on is um, you know like. I've done the Birdman segment, done a lot of media over the last few years and generally get out there, you do it, you you never sort of get that much feedback, you know, uh, other than days like the OB at the end of the year, you get lots of people who love your work. But I've never, you know, while I've been, I suppose, a, a... sort of minor media figure you, you never get that sort of social media backlash but I've actually been copying it oh, um, really? interesting, you know like it's sort of uh, <laughs> because because the Ibis was doing so well uh, people have um, you know and we're pointing out uh, in talking about it we framed it as in a lot of people hate the Ibis because they're in the cities like Sydney and Brisbane and in the bins and people call them bin chickens and so there's a lot of this backlash about the sim- sympathy for the Ibis was happening but then we were pointing out that the reason they're in the cities is because we've completely buggered their natural wetland systems in the Murray-Darling it's Basin. important so, point to make. Mm, yeah but I'm, I'm now getting uh uh, hate from certain irrigators who were, who were oh. criticising me for my anti-irrigation stance and it's uh, yeah, all this sort of stuff. I'll give, you, I'll give you a, a tip. You never win, Birdman. <laughs> no, you never. I never. <laughs> I've learnt that. Uh, and then, win. Yeah, no, also it was weird watching a, a TV comedy show this week where I was the subject of the joke. So no. <laughs> it's like, 
Oh, wow. I mean, it wasn't actually a vicious joke or anything, but just... In uh, a good way or a bad way? Oh, kind of equivocal way. Oh. Was, that, <laughs> was this on the project? Uh, no, no, I did the project. That oh. was, I was, I was the butt of the joke, but I was in on the joke. But it was <laughs> one of the other things where it was, it was just odd to hear. And as Sean Dooley said, and they had a quote of me, like... Uh, audio quote from the radio and admittedly it was about the daggiest thing I said all week which was me attempting to to phoneticise the magpie call so yeah. it's, it's me going and, and then this dickhead goes oigle 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 <laughs> so it's this little sound grab of me oh, saying oigle, oigle, oigle. Oh, yes. so good. Next year we're going to introduce you as controversial figure. Exactly, Sean yes. Well, we, we thought this would be it. And, and it was. It was to get 150,000 people voting. It shows what I've known from this, doing this segment for nine years, is there is a massive affection and connection with birds from, mm. from the Australian people and to get that many people getting involved. But we thought it would be a great celebratory thing, which it was. But the, the controversy from the fact that the two leading birds by a mile were the ibis and the magpie, that just, it was like driving a wedge into the heart of Australian <laughs> society. Forget, forget the, the, the awfulness of the same-sex marriage debate. <laughs> the ibis versus magpie just, just show, showed up so there. <laughs> why do you think the magpie won? Well, I, I was joking that, um, you know... Eddie Maguire would get on board and get the uh, oh. get, get the sort of Collingwood supporter club forums to to start voting. And That'd be a classic Collingwood manoeuvre. But, but it was it was a real last minute victory. Um, oh. The the people from the Guardian sent me the the timeline, and the Ibis was leading up until five hours before voting oh. closed, oh, and the Magpie surprised. literally swooped down at the end. <laughs> and so so there was this big movement, and there were people getting on um, social media. To having a kind of hashtag any bird but ibis, oh. and so they were. <laughs> and I think uh, first dog on the moon was saying we need to rally behind the the magpie so that there's a, a winnable candidate. And there was analysis of how the ibis was like Trump, as in it only had a small rump of support, <laughs> but there were too many other candidates for people to work out who to get behind. So, so the magpie's Clinton. I don't know if that's. Or was it magpie? <laughs> or is, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that was the thing. The, the great thing about it was how everybody has been able to interpret their, the, just the fact that they're birds, um, just the fact that they're, you know, whether you like an ibis or whether you like a king parrot or something, they've been able to twist it through their own prism of, of politics or or cultural awareness or whatever and, and actually turn it into this amazing sort of cultural moment. Were <laughs> you happy with the results? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I love magpies. So yeah. I, I, I was happy that so many people got involved. Like if the ibis got up or would, would was there any bird <laughs> that you would have gone, come on? What are you doing, Australia? <laughs> well, no, not really, but... Can't ask Birdman to turn on yeah. a bird. No, I, 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 love, I love them all. They're, they're all my children. <laughs> oh, come on, now that but, it's over, who, 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 uh, did, who did Dooley vote for? Well, I, I voted for the cassowary. I just I thought, love the... I've been yeah. reading about cassowaries recently. That's weird. They are, they are quite amazing. They, they almost feel like they don't qualify as the birds. The most dangerous they're, bird in the world. Yeah, they... Because they attack you. Then they have, if you've seen one up close, which I have. They're like dinosaurs. They're like dinosaurs and they have these huge feet, like dinosaur feet. Slashy with them. They've got a a (laughs) nail, their central nail. It's like about four-inch switchblade 
sort of raise a shark. Like a yeah. raptor. Yeah. Like a velociraptor. Because I, I think any bird that can disembowel me deserves my deference. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I bow down. <laughs> He's a smart man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is this going to be an ongoing thing? Um, it, it could well be. Uh, the Guardian were confident they came they, they came at it with the, the annual uh, Bird of the Year vote. So, so I think they're sort of leaving room for... Uh, for doing it next year. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll have a chat about it to see whether we need to have a kind of, um, like, a French presidential election where we sort of have the oh, candidates. Rounds. and And then, you've, and then oh. you vote the winners against the winners so that, you know, maybe you just have one or two, like two or maybe a, a top five or something that people vote for, which is, which is I think, what they did in, in Britain a few years ago. They wanted to a campaign to do the... It was sort of like Bird of the Year, but it was mainly they wanted to get a national bird that they could have on their, you know, officially sanctioned... Pigeon? And in the end, they went for Robin, oh. the, the Christmas card Robin. So, mm. um, But that they had, a, they had the sort of... Preliminary, the primary rounds, and then they got. Uh, I think they had ten candidates, and the robin won out. I, I would have voted Puffin for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was right. robbed. Outrageous. <laughs> All right, sure. Well, that was a great success. We look forward to seeing you next year. Have a good yes, Christmas. Yes, I'll be back. You too. And thank you very much for what's been a brilliant year. Oh, thank well, you. There you go. Yes. You fly on out. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 RRR in Melbourne, Australia. We are joined now by David Asprey from the Richmond Football Club, Premiership Defender. Yay! How, uh, thank you so much for coming down. I'm, I'm a Tigers fan, I don't know if you've noticed. Um, but I, you know, are you ever going to get sick of hearing yourself described now as a Premiership player? No, probably not. I was. I just sort of want to acknowledge that I, I wish I had the news about the Mulgara. Mulgara's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's probably something that you know I've spoken about a lot lately, but uh, I'll probably really appreciate and and reflect on it at the end of my career. But um, at the moment, I've probably still got a, a job to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's been unbelievable, and um, the scenes around the suburb of Richmond alone, uh, post the grand final, just makes it all more special. It was kind of insane, wasn't it? How do you? So now you're back at training. Why do you even care? Because <laughs> you've won the grand final. How do you get motivated? Stick yeah. around here with us. Have some pastries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because it's my livelihood. Yeah, um, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. Yeah. That is a good answer. Um, no, it's good. It's the off season was three weeks shorter this year, but um, I was just excited to get back. Um, you know what we've built over the last couple of years. It probably took us to to hit rock bottom in 2016 and um, have an ordinary on field season for us to make some appropriate changes. But what we've got there at the moment is unreal, and um, I can't commend the playing group. Um, the football department and the wider football club um, for and what they're fans. doing. Yeah, and yeah. obviously the fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, some of, some, of the, some of the vision that, that got back to us in the days following the grand final just, um, yeah, made it yeah, unbelievable. And, um, yeah, we, we're so proud to be Richmond footballers and, and part of the Richmond family, as, as all the fans are. Uh, the Tigers have a, a women's team now. How excited are the club about that? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's just such a changing landscape, the football community, and um, yeah, now that we're you know sticking um, our nose in the in the um, AFLW scene, we're, we're really excited by that, and um, 
yeah, we've got some really good people in the club so far and uh, we're looking forward to that really growing and, and growing with us. So I've watched um, the grand final, just to take you back to that, <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe a couple of times now, Rewatched it. How many times have you rewatched it? No, there's... Um, I actually haven't rewatched the whole game. No. Um, Why not? Oh, I don't want to wear it out. Um, Do you cry when you watch it? uh, I cried so many times following the game. Um, I reckon 2017, I've cried more times than I have in my life. Um, But, yeah, I actually haven't watched the game fully back. You know, you got your footy tragics. um, Yes, you do. (laughs) I I mean amongst the playing group. Oh, okay. Um, Like Jack Rewald, he's Rain Man. Um, (laughs) He he just wants to watch it over and over. And, um, yeah, I just, I really don't want to wear it out and sort of live with what I've got up here time being and then when that fades, I might revisit it. I don't know if you know, but um, Sarah was wearing a special lucky jacket during all of the games. Is that the reason why you won? Oh, must be. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks bought, for that. Thank you. Right. <laughs> I did all the hard work. I bought it in Japan at the start of the year and I said, this is going to get us a grand final. So oh, right. Just yeah. putting it out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's the first Richmond luck story I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, on the day, there was a moment when Butler kicked the last goal and everyone kind of cried and not the last goal but the one where everyone kind of cried and thought we've got this mm. when did you think we had it in the bag <laughs> i wasn't prepared Wait. to celebrate yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. um no I, I wasn't in a i'm just a really process driven individual and um you know it, it probably shows the way i play i'm um i'm pretty dour um but <laughs> Yeah, we've got some people in our back half, like um, oh, Basha Hooley in particular and Brandon Alice, who really wanted to celebrate when it was uh, when after that goal. And I was like, oi, you know, focus on the job. <laughs> the game was so long over. Rance and I were looking at each other and we probably didn't even get the opportunity to enjoy the last couple of minutes in the atmosphere because we were still convinced there was a chance we could lose it. I think but, we all were. Yeah, we? so, um, no, but no, I'm sort of glad that I, that I live that way. But, um, yeah, when the siren went, it sort of yeah, became a reality to me. But, um, yeah, it was unbelievable. And what did Dimmer say to you at half-time? Yeah, he was... I almost felt uh, guilty. I've spoken about this um, a little bit, you know, after the game. Um, at half-time, we, we sort of went in. We're only nine points up, but, you know, the, the way we played in that, that second quarter was, you know, really productive, and um, we really felt like we were on top, and everything was just so relaxed, and, and um, you know, you, you'll get a good insight, all the Richmond fans who read the book um, that has come out, which is, which is awesome, and... Um, yeah, it, it was just always really relaxed and, and just like, look, we're, we're at the footstep here, you know, we can, we can really do this and um, just go out, enjoy it for what it is. And, and that was Dimmer's message all along, really enjoy and embrace what it was. And um, yeah, we had 22 blokes out there and, who did that and, you know, 44 blokes on our list who really contributed year round and um, we're so proud that we got it done. Oh, that's excellent. I want to ask a question about inside the club now. We hear about footballers rev up songs. Who has the worst taste in music, do you reckon? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Dustin runs a playlist and um, it's bipolar. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's either, um, I don't know, like Drake or, or 21 Savage or, you know, it's, it's some pretty heavy stuff on one hand and then he's just got a lot, he's got your beds are burning and stuff. It's just <laughs> like, there's no real, like, it's a huge contrast, but he's, uh, I like one side of that, obviously. Um, 
But brand analysis is notorious. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God, if it's my heart. Well, I've heard that you like um, TV on the radio, Wolf Like Me. Is that true or is that just something that the Herald Sun's written? No, no, I, I do really enjoy that song. Yeah. All right, yeah, nice. Yeah, all right. Yeah. We might play it for you now. Oh, that'd be... Yeah. Are we going to do that? Yeah, all right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. No, thanks very much Everyone? for having me. And um, the breakfast show looks, looks <laughs> awesome and, yeah. Oh, yeah, thanks, so mate. glad so many people turned out. Yeah, thank you. Terrific. Thanks, guys. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 R in Melbourne, Australia. You are listening to Breakfasters with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine coming to you live from the Corner Hotel. Uh, we are joined now by very good mates. The Kates, you'd know them from the catering show and Get Cracking. Please welcome Kate McLennan and Kate McCartney. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Old mates. Hey, let's start with normally on a Friday at 6.15, we do the dinner review. Now, the, I don't know, if does anyone listen to our dinner review? Give us a cheer if you're yeah. a fan of the dinner review. It's, a, it's, it's a segment that people either love or hate. We get a I lot of... Like You've stolen the Text dinner review it. from the download. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone listen to the download when we did that for a year on Triple R? Oh, there we, we go. Which we then, <laughs> that was, you know, our podcast that we did, Jezza. Yeah. We started, Edo. I stole the dinner review from the download, absolutely. You haven't asked permission. Well, no, did, who, who am I going to ask? Me? I just, I just, I'm wondering where my royalty check is. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I don't think... There's any money (laughs) to be given. Uh, I could say that the catering show stole the idea of... I don't... I think they're separate things. Separate things. Fair enough. Came from our genius minds. Fair enough. But it it started... uh, We had the food review on the download, which every week was... Just reviewing hot dogs. Yeah. I would have a hot dog every time I went to the football. And we were particularly focused on the slit in the dog. <laughs> oh, no. So the, the, the slit in the bun. Bun, sorry. And the snap of the dog. It's horrifying. <laughs> did it have a centre slit or did it have a side slit? Oh. Uh-huh. There's a lot of... Did you guys have a preference? Centre slit. Centre slit every time. <laughs> All right. I'm not excited. <laughs> Anyway, so let's do a dinner review. Well, yeah, you sent a message this morning saying, what, what could we do for a, you know, could we do a dinner review? And, and we were thinking the last time we actually went out for dinner was... With you? Yeah. About three months ago. When we went and had pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good after the movies. Yeah, yeah. McCartney took us to Thor, which we're all very confused about. <laughs> we just wanted to see it, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I enjoyed it. And yeah, so I, I enjoyed went it in, too. I went in very low and I went, this is going to be entertaining and fun. Can't think too much about when you're watching Thor. No. No. You can't. Um, <laughs> and we went across the road and had a pizza and we were all a bit emotionally on edge and we walked into this pizza restaurant and do you remember when we walked in there was a water tap on? Yes. So there was just a water tap running and there was no... There was a jug underneath it. But it was, was overflowing. And we were like, is this interior design? <laughs> <laughs> But the, um, we, we ate some nice food, but mainly we just talked about being depressed. <laughs> and overly anxious and how we wanted the year to end. Yeah, but here we are. Yeah. I wish it came true. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our dinner review. Yeah, that's um, pretty great. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's been some... Hi- what are, tell us about your highlights of this year, then. Oh, well, I can tell you one thing. Yeah. I mean, this is purely by accident, but we both, McLean and I both, discovered overalls this year. Mm. I noticed that. Oh, yeah. one decision, guys. <laughs> Bang no and you're done. waistline. <laughs> Never getting out of these. I wash them at night and then I wear them again the next day. How do you, how do you go to the bathroom, though? Oh, you go, you go full, full nude. nude. Full nude. It's like going That's to invigorating, a though. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a tiny bit of freedom in a, in a toilet cubicle. I've been experimenting with getting nude a bit okay. more this year. Yes, right. I've heard about you yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Went to a Japanese bath. Onsen. Yeah. yeah. Vanessa loves an onsen. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been to one? I no. have. Let's go. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go now? No, no, I'm going to say, let's get nude, everyone. Let's do it. I'm feeling a, a vibe here. Yeah, it's that would a, be an it's unexpected very... end to our life. <laughs> yeah, it really would. So why don't we get you to talk about us now? You guys. That would be great, yeah. Well, Enough we, about you. We were, I was saying that I, I, I kind of wanted to stitch Jeff up. When, oh, so yeah. you, when seems you, to be another theme at this show. <laughs> when, um, like, I was hoping that you would say thanks for coming in and I would say it's a very great pleasure because every time you have a guest and say thanks for having us and you say it's a very great pleasure. And I thought <laughs> oh, if yeah. I, if I got yeah. you... Yeah, Beck Hornsby told me I'm not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great pleasure. We could just sit here and go, it is a very great pleasure. It is <laughs> a great pleasure to have you and it is a very great pleasure yeah. to be here. <laughs> to be here. And we'll just continue. What a great pleasure. <laughs> what I really mean is I'm glad the interview's finished. Please can you go now? <laughs> I mean, not, not with you talking, though, so. talking to people is very hard, though, Jeff. I don't know how you do it all the time. Yeah. I've forgotten how to have conversations with people now. Like, I find myself where I'm wondering when I go into a social situation if I need to have a list of questions prepared yeah. about that person, like a hairdresser. Yeah, she ran through a list the other day. It was like, and what's going on in your life? <laughs> this is a great idea. Do you yeah. watch Nine Life? I do. <laughs> do you know what I was thinking? We have to have a conversation with guests every time they come in to the studio. Oh, don't give this away. And, oh, there's about two minutes, which is often quite awkward because we're all doing our thing, and every single time we have one question we ask them, and it is, how far did you come today? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we have a conversation about how far and how long it took them to drive to Triple R. That is asked of every guest who comes in. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do I just think maybe you can bring it up in your life. timeless question. It is, though. That's what I mean. I kind of want to know each time. People don't you? love talking about traffic. They do. Yes. They bloody love it. Yes. Missed the traffic, got ahead of the traffic. And oh. if I had to go over the river, then, oh, God. Oh, and Half it's, an it's, hour story. That's that's exactly. It's a tradies day off today, so I had a very oh. good run. Yeah. Tradies day off. <laughs> Oh, the Chandler Highway, chock-a-block at the moment. I don't even know why it's chock-a-block. They're not even doing roadworks on it. I think people are confused. <laughs> this is this every is show. Just, this, is what this is our life. This is my, my parents-in-law just banging on about traffic. And stuff. <laughs> it's like, we can't come and look after Dusty until 11 o'clock because we can't, be, we can't be caught up in peak hour traffic and we have to leave by three. Well, that's really great for my working day. <laughs> I've got, we've got to get back. We've got to watch TV. <laughs> Fantastic, OK. Don't want to miss Deal or No Deal or Hot Suitcase or whatever it is. That you're I can suitcase. Live for. Yeah. And hello hot to them, because they'll be listening. <laughs> hot Suitcase. I know. Some bloody whatever. There's a guy that's on one of those shows that looks like a, a you know, what are they called? The puppets that have the, you know... The, a puppet. Yeah. yeah. And he looks... I think it's called a puppet. <laughs> 
Oh, like a sock puppet? Like the, Marionette. Like, like a Muppet. I want to say a mannequin. That's not right. It's wrong. Marionette? You know, Marionette. Got, you know, that's well, that's not a, a puppet. What you're doing, she's doing like a, a hand snappy thing. That's not what a Marionette This is not does. a good story. Let's no. pull out. We're pulling out of this story. <laughs> Back it up. Reverse. Get in the chopper. We're off. <laughs> All right. Well, you've talked about Jeff. Talk a bit more about Sarah. Yeah, talk about I. them. All right, what can we talk about with Sarah and Geraldine? Well, they, they, these two were at my first ever um, women's football game and I cried. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah. yeah. It was a really special moment. Thanks oh, for being yeah. there. I'm sorry I cried. I forgot about that. <laughs> I started, I, as, the, as the women ran past, I started yelling, I have a daughter! <laughs> <laughs> but there was the one... <laughs> There was the girl that ran out with them with the flag. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're God. crying again yeah. now. Oh, yes. <laughs> you don't even like football. I know. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> the moment I see a young girl achieving her dreams, I'm like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> Can we just tell the story about... When we came in last time to talk oh, about the show, because you guys always get us in to talk about our show, which is very nice of you. Yeah. Um, but the last year, do you guys remember when we came on and we were talking about, I think it was catering going oh. on ABC, no, yeah. and we, like the interview finished and the music was playing, and but oh. Sarah had it turned our mics off, <laughs> and we just started ripping into Michelle Bridges. Yeah. Like, it was quite bad. Oh, yeah. I know, it was really... I was tearing Michelle Bridges a new one. And it was sort of like at that point where, you know, like this, our first TV show was about to go on air and I'm like, my career's going to be over. Someone's going to get the tape. And your partner was texting, Mike's on, Mike's on. <laughs> Anyway, I could feel my career just. And but you, you weren't sued, so that's fine. No, we yeah, were surprisingly, fine. Michelle Bridges isn't the Daily Telegraph <laughs> target yeah. demographic. Yeah. <laughs> Shot. Anyway, Shot so it was the crisis out. was averted that day. Yeah, but, but I. I love it how everyone was like, okay, we're going to get rid of it. We're going to cut, we're going to edit that bit out on for the, you know, when we're going to put it online. It's going to be fine. And it was just like, okay, guys, all right, our careers in entertainment is so, our careers yeah. of ripping celebrities a new asshole. But uh, then also, if you, listen, yeah. if you listen back to it, you couldn't hear it anyway. So it was all fine. We didn't edit it, is what she's saying. Yeah. Okay, Sorry. thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you think we would have learned from that? Yeah, about of course you did. Not mouthing guests, but. Actually, we didn't learn from it at all. No. What do you mean? Have you done any more of that? Have no, it's my bored? job to turn the microphones off, and yeah. I, it's, I only did wow. it once, and it was to you guys. Yeah. Light on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I had sorry. <laughs> uh, Kate, that's just about it. We've got to huh. let you go now. All right. You guys well, you can hang around if you want. Is there anything else you'd like to say before you go? You can walk into the audience and yeah. say good day. <laughs> Jeff, do you want to come with us? Oh, I'll be right. Thanks. I'll Let's walk your amongst life. our people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate. See you later. Have a good holiday. Have a good holiday. Merry Christmas and that sort of thing. You're listening to the best bits of The Breakfasters from 3RRR.